Thanks for listening to the Movement Church Podcast. Movement is located in Newport, Kentucky, and you're always welcome to join us on a Sunday morning at 1030. Hope you enjoy this podcast. I'm one of the pastors here at Movement Church. We're in week three of a series uh, that we call This Changes Everything. And uh, This Changes Everything is really about this. It is about this idea that when Jesus came to earth, he announced something. He said there's a new way of living, a new way of doing things, and he invited us into that. Now understand this, this invitation kind of is, goes above and beyond just salvation, it goes above and beyond just saying yes to Jesus, that that is that free gift that is right there for us. But then on top of that, there's this, all this opportunity to move forward as followers of Jesus. And what we're going to look at today is this idea that who we are connected to really, really matters. Think about it this way. Now you've been scrolling through Facebook or you're on one of your social media platforms and you see a post and it's not something you're going to comment because you so disagree or it's not something so cute that you're, you know, you're just going all over it and sending it to sharing your friends. You look at this and you say, I have no idea who this person is. I have no idea who this person is. It's not a promoted tweet. It's not something that someone shared. It is in your timeline. It is someone that sure enough, you click on it, you click through, you're friends with them. And and you're looking at you saying, I don't know when I met this person, I don't know how I met this person, but somehow I'm connected to them. I didn't even know that. I didn't even realize that. Sometimes we don't even realize who we're connected to. A a pastor friend was telling a story. He said, you know, this past seven months as we've all been trying to find community and connection. They've been doing this thing in their neighborhood. And they just kind of said, every Thursday night, we're going to meet here at this spot in this driveway. And anyone's invited. And we can come. We can just hang out as neighbors. And if you can make it, great. And if you're not, we'll see you next week. And he said that, of course, when neighbors get together, what do they do? They talk about the other neighbors, right? They talk about the other neighbors, the people that, that don't cut their grass or leave the trash cans out or the people who are just kind of mean or nasty or the people that, that do the really, really good job in the yard and everyone's really kind of jealous about it and thinks, how do they have that time and to spend all that and do all that? But he was saying that they were sitting around talking and eventually the conversation turned to someone who used to live in the neighborhood, right? That's another popular conversation. So-and-so used to live in that house and they were like this. And they talked about how this, this couple was just so ungrateful, unkind, unfriendly, bickering, and just always had a complaint, always had a negative word, right? And so my pastor friend says, well, why did they leave? What caused them to move? And kind of hesitantly, kind of embarrassingly, his neighbor said, well, he was a pastor and he got another job, so he went to another church. And how often is that true? How often is that true that, that we don't even realize the impact we have on people that we're around. Sometimes we don't realize who we are connected to. We don't realize who's around us. We don't realize who we're influencing, who we're connected to. And most amazingly, we don't realize how those connections affect us. We don't realize how those connections affect affect us. So the question today is this, who am I connected to? Because who we are connected to matters. Who we are connected to matters. 
So in this series, we've been coming back again and again to the Gospel of Mark, particularly one verse in Mark chapter 1. And Mark is this guy who followed around Peter. He kind of got the, the sermons and heard the stories from Peter. He, he said, I'm going to put together this account of Jesus' life and ministry, and it's going to go out and it's going to show people this is what Jesus was about. And it's interesting. I love the Gospel of Mark because it's, 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 it is shorter, but it's like, it's like fast-paced. It's boom, 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 boom. Here's the next thing. Here's the next thing. Here's the next thing. So there in chapter chapter 1, Mark records kind of this mission statement that Jesus has. In Mark chapter 1, verse 15, it's recorded as this, the time has come, he said, the kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. So Jesus is talking about this idea of the kingdom of God, that where God gets what God wants, that things are made right, that this is at hand, and it's right here, and you don't have to jump through any hopes. It's right here. Repent, change, change your thinking, change your behavior, and come back to this. And look what he says following that announcement. He extends the simple invitation. He says, come, follow me. It's an invitation to become a follower or an apprentice or a disciple. Someone who says, I'm going to take on this mantle. I'm going to learn. I'm going to become like Jesus. I'm going to be an active participant in following Jesus. Last week, we challenged everyone to say yes to Jesus. In our kind of language here at Movement, we talk about the pathway of following Jesus. And step two is that step of belief, where we take a step, we say, I am in, I am proclaiming, I am declaring that Jesus has done incredible work in my life, that I've been saved, that I've been forgiven, and I've accepted that. We celebrate that incredible gift of God through baptism. And November 15th, we're going to be celebrating baptism. We'd love to talk to you about that. We've got a forum on the app and the website and the social media. You can find that, or you can come talk to me or email me. We'd love to talk to you about, about baptism. Because in that moment where we say yes, where we say yes to Jesus, we accept a free gift. We haven't done anything to earn it. We are just opening that present, saying yes. But so often, we don't talk about what comes after that. We don't talk about, okay, what, what is required of me? Not in the sense of, if I don't do these things, I'm going to miss out. But what is required of me in terms of, this is who I am, this is the kind of person I'm going to be. If I'm going to embrace this opportunity in front of me for this kingdom life, what do I have to do? How do I move forward? Dallas Willard, who's kind of that, that, that wise, incredible follower of Jesus, that Gandalf, that Obi-Wan, Obi-Wan figure, says this in his book, Divine Conspiracy. He says, if I am to be someone's apprentice, there is one absolutely essential condition I must be with that person. So simply put, if we were to experience this eternal kind of life, because what Jesus is talking about here is heaven, but he's not saying you don't have to wait. He's saying you don't have to wait until you die to experience heaven. Heaven is the here and the now. You can begin to experience this in the here and the now by following, by taking these steps. And Dallas Willard points out this very clear fact. We have to be with that person. To understand what that means, let's look back at Jesus' first disciples, the 12 disciples. When Jesus walked this earth, he invited them in. They did things with them. They were on the road together. They did life together. They were together. They ate. They traveled. They were present when Jesus taught. They were present when Jesus performed miracles. They were there. 
In John chapter 15, Jesus uses a metaphor to explain to his disciples the kind of connection he wants to have with them. Jesus says in John chapter 15, verse 5, he says, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. In my backyard, there's kind of a hill that goes down to a, to a little creek, right, and a little drainage ditch. And, and on this hill, there's all like just the, the hall of fame of invasive species of plant, right? We've got our honeysuckle. You've got these, all these weird ivies that I hope and pray are not poison ivy because I cut them back all the time. And, and yes, we even have bamboo. And the thing about bamboo is that it, it's distributed and it pops up and it grows really fast and it grows all over the place. And there's this way in which it's connected in the root system and it kind of continues to pop up. You can never really get ahead of it. Jesus used the metaphor of a vine, of, of grapes, of, of this idea of like a, a, a winery and this the kind of the grapes are kind of this vine that goes on and the fruit is all connected. But it's only when it's connected does fruit come out. That metaphor, that fruit of our life, it's only when we are connected to God. It's only when we are following Jesus. It's only when we're following Jesus do we see good come out of our life. It's only, only then. Who we are connected to will determine what kind of fruit is produced in our lives. We love having babies in the room, and if you have a problem with a baby crying, there's the door, okay? They're welcome here, okay? We love that. We love that. Uh, we, 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 are deter- we, are, uh, we are constantly reminded that who we are connected to de- determines the fruit. When we are connected to Jesus, we begin to see that fruit come out in our lives. Think about it this way. If you have those moments when you realize you're turning into your parents, you realize you're turning into your mom or dad. I remember about that coming of age time in my teenage years, and I would pick up the phone, I would say, hello, and they would say, hi, Jim, thinking I was my dad. And before that, it was, hi, Connie, because I didn't have the voice that sounded like a, like, a, like a man, right? Or you look in the mirror and you think, oh my gosh, look at me, I'm becoming my father. Or even harder yet, if you're a parent, when you see your kids exhibiting not the best aspects of your personality or character, but your worst. When they throw a fit, when they, when they, they, they pout and whine and complain, when they are self-centered, and you think, I wish you weren't so like me. And I see some couples nudging each other and doing different things like that. And maybe you're doing that at home right now because that is so true. And I've even heard of, of adoptive parents talking about that. How, yes, being around, being connected, not genetically, not biologically, but by family, they even see that play out. See, we, we understand this so well in our lives. When we are connected to something, we become like it. When we are connected to Jesus, when we follow Jesus, things change. We learn to love the way Jesus loves. We learn to live the way Jesus lives. Now, again, this is not some sort of standard that we have to follow in order to get God to love us. That is a constant. If you've said yes to Jesus, you are good, but there's so much more ahead of you. Don't we want to be changed? So, yes, the disciples got to physically be with Jesus. They ate with him. They traveled with him, and Jesus was right there when he said the words, remain in me. So what does it look like for us today? to remain in Jesus. How today can we do this in 2020? I think of all the dangers, the frustrations, the distractions of that little computer that we hold in our pockets, so many of us at least. 
And I think about the, the distraction, the, the anger, the anxiety that comes from reading the news or scrolling through social media, the, the mind-numbing nothingness that we can enjoy in. And so what do we do? How do we, how do we find ways to connect with Jesus when that distraction machine is in our hands? Do we just try to white-knuckle it and force ourselves to be more disciplined? Do we give in to that urge when we're driving on 471, we go over the Big Mac Bridge, and we just roll down the window, and we think, what if I just threw this out and tossed it in the river? Maybe that's just me. Maybe no one else has that thought. Do we just think to ourselves, well, I'm just going to go back to a dumb phone, and I'm going to go back to a flip phone and just be there with that? How do we change? How do we use this tool? This week, I, I set my phone down for some reason because that's not common for me. I set my phone down, and I walked away, and I came back to my phone, and I had 67 unread text messages. It happened to be during the vice presidential debate, and, and, and my four best friends, the four best friends I had from college, the ones that I talked about last week where we took one of our two bedrooms for all five of us and jammed all the beds into one bedroom and turned that other bedroom into a poker room. You get who you're dealing with, right? Well, they had decided that they were going to have this full-fledged conversation about all the memes with the fly that were coming out of the VP debate and this and that and the other and fantasy football and all the other things that you would think that a bunch of guys who have known each other since college would talk about. 67. Like, 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 that's a lot, right? A couple hours, 67 messages. And yeah, a lot of those conversations are inane, funny, ridiculous, and sometimes not so kind to one another, at least they put it that way. But this year, with all the hard things that have happened in my life personally, after I talk to family, after I communicate, hey, this is what's going on, we need prayer, we need support, those four idiots were the first ones I reached out to. Those four friends were the first ones I said, hey, we need prayer for this. This is what's going on. Hey, this is really, really hard. See, we can turn that distraction machine into something else. We can find ways to connect because who we are connected to matters. Maybe you feel like you are somebody that's kind of just in this constant thing where, I've, where you're just reading the news and you're getting, you're getting all overwhelmed with this. So I would tell you to do something that's been helpful to me because I get overwhelmed with the news. I get overwhelmed by seeing what everyone else is saying, right? I've taken that phone, that distraction machine. I say every time I'm going to jump on Twitter or I'm going to look at this or read this news article, instead I'm going to do a very intentional Bible reading plan. And so I go to the Bible app, I go to Bible.com, and I say, hey, let's find a short reading plan. So I found one that's going to lead me up to election day and say, I'm going to spend time reading scripture instead of going into the deep end. Now, I'm not saying that to brag on myself because I lack self-control. I'm not saying, like, look at how good I am. I allow external factors to ruin my day, and I have to force myself to come back to scripture. So maybe if that's you, I challenge you to embrace that because who we are connected to what we are connected to matters. If you go back to John chapter 14, Jesus is giving some really hard news to the disciples. He's telling them he's going to leave physically. So this is before the cross, and he's got his disciples together, and he says, good news, I'm about to get out of here. And of course, they freak out. And he says, no, you don't understand. It's good news because of this. Picking up in verse 16, he says, I will ask the Father to send you another helper the spirit of truth, who will remain constantly with you. The world does not recognize the spirit of truth because it does not know the spirit and is unable to receive him. But you do know the spirit because he lives with you and he will dwell in you. Jesus promised that the Father would send a piece of him, the spirit 
Jesus says that he and the Father are one. If you've seen Jesus, you've seen the Father. And then Jesus says, I'm going to give you a piece of me, my spirit, that you already recognize because you've been around me. And it's going to walk with you. It's going to guide you. It's going to be with you. The Holy Spirit is one of the three persons of God, the three aspects of God that we call the Trinity. It's mysterious. It's hard to explain. But think of it this way. God presents God three different ways in ways that we can understand, ways we can kind of begin to grab hold of. God the Creator, God the Son, and God the Spirit. And the Spirit has been with us from the beginning. In Genesis chapter 1, it says that the Spirit is hovering over the waters during creation. And Haggai, one of these prophets, he was with the ancient people of Israel throughout everything recorded in the Old Testament. And then we read in Matthew chapter 3, before the cross, says the Spirit empowered Jesus to carry out his mission here on earth. And then after Jesus' death, after the resurrection, after the ascension, all those who have said yes to Jesus get, are gifted this peace of God, this spirit, this helper, this counselor, this revealer, this challenger of truth. So the way you and I live with Jesus is through the Holy Spirit. And Jesus remains constantly with us, his apprentices, his followers, his disciples. So if we have said yes to Jesus, if we want to take more steps, we want to go further in that, experience heaven on earth as it is in heaven, we want to experience that will, that kingdom now, we have to follow, we have to pursue this Holy Spirit because who we are connected to matters. So if you're a follower of Jesus... The Father has sent his Son, Jesus, into your heart. And when Jesus walked the earth, he invited his disciples, his apprentices, to be with him, to hang out. To ex- in this invitation, this invitation to be with is extended to us today. So how can we learn to be with Jesus? I want to share two quick challenges, two quick suggestions. First is to be present. It's to be present, which is incredibly difficult, right? Which is incredibly difficult. That's, a, that's a kind of a nebulous thing. So what does it look like to be present, to remain in Jesus, to remain in the Spirit, to be constantly aware? There's this guy named Brother Lawrence, who in the 17th century, the 1600s, went to a monastery. And he was pursuing God by doing that. He was pursuing Jesus' presence through the Holy Spirit. And, and he entered this monastery as a monk, or not, or not as a monk, not as a monk, not as a, as a clergyman, or just as a regular guy. He, he just wants to be around that. He was one of those people that said, I'm not qualified, I am not educated, I, I don't want to have any kind of leadership roles, I just want to be here, I just want to be a part of this. So they gave him the lowliest task. They gave him the lowliest task that was available. They said, hey, you're going to wash the dishes. 1600s, you're going to wash the dishes. So imagine all that would come with this, with probably having to heat water and figure this out and just scrub and clean and clean and clean. So Brother Lawrence was the cook. He was the dishwasher. However, as the years rolled on, he's still in this spot, and people noticed something. They noticed something about his character that he never complained. Like, imagine if you were in that spot, you were probably churning through chicks, churning through chicks, that was, did not come out right, churning through cooks and dishwashers at an alarming pace, because that was the lowliest job, right? And so they finally find this guy who's all about it, who doesn't want anything else. And Brother Lawrence put things in, in, in a book, and he, he is kind of recorded, it's one of these classics, and he talks about the secret here. And the secret he talks about is becoming a practicer of the presence of God. 
He decided early on that he would learn to do all of his tasks with an awareness that God was with him. He could cook meals with God. He could wash dishes with God. He could scrub floors with God. In his own words, he says this in the book. The time of business does not with me differ from the time of prayer. And in the noise and clatter of my kitchen, while several persons are at the same time calling for different things, I possess God in as great tranquility as if I were upon my knees before the blessed sacrament. In the chaos of the day-to-day, Brother Lawrence said, I am finding ways to be present with God. How does that work? How does someone, how does someone find themselves in a place where in the chaos, in the noise, in the drudgery of life is able to to spend time, is able to connect with God. Simply being with Jesus transformed this humble dishwasher into a sought-after spiritual guide, a, a hero of the faith. But what God was able to do through Brother Lawrence all started when they made the decision, when Brother Lawrence made the decision to be present, to be with Jesus, to be with Jesus. See, being with Jesus involves learning to be aware that he is present in everything, That there is no like specific spiritual space that only God resides. God is not just in this moment here on a Sunday morning. God is with us at all times. God is with us at home, at work, in the car, at the gym, to the grocery store, all the things. See, followers learn to be present in Jesus' presence. So how do we do this? I think we can start by choosing to be present with Jesus for a little time each day again this is not to get to get god to love you more this is not to make sure god is on your side or something like that this is to experience god through the spirit and and a lot of times i think we go to okay i'm going to spend time with jesus so i'm going to i'm going to read you know four chapters of the bible i'm going to journal and i'm going to pray let me challenge you with this maybe for 10 minutes maybe it's in the morning maybe some other time you are just quiet with god which is really hard to do Maybe you just say, I'm not going to do something. I'm not going to do something. I'm going to do nothing. I'm going to perhaps say, God, show me what it looks like to be with you. And then shut up and listen. Show me what it looks like here. Show me where you are. Show me your presence. We've got plenty of static in our lives. Maybe we need to kind of execute a find and replace. We're going to find that static we're going to replace it with presence. We're going to be present. Then as we go through our days, let's turn our thoughts to him as often as we can. Talk to him as we go through the, the events of our day. When we had babies, when Isaac and Clara were very, very little, uh, Heidi and I were one of those parents who clearly knew we were in over our heads with babies. We didn't know what we were doing. We understand teenagers. We don't understand two-month-olds, Right? And so Heidi would do this thing, and she, I think she read it in a book, and it was very, very helpful, but it was a survival tactic for us. She would narrate to our kids the things she was doing, right? So she'd be changing Isaac. She's like, okay, I'm going to wipe your butt. Here's the, here's the poop. Throw that away. Put on a clean diaper. Put on your fourth outfit of the day because you keep pooping out, and it's over and over and over again. Now i got to go do laundry and all this stuff. And just kind of narrate the day as a way to just kind of keep things going just to kind of just to kind of center ourselves this is what we're doing we're in this moment 
The Apostle Paul writes in 2 Thessalonians, or in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, he says that we are to be praying continually. And through his Holy Spirit, Jesus is present with us every moment of the day. We can choose to be present with him in response. See, praying continually doesn't mean we talk continually. Doesn't mean we necessarily have new things to say. It means we listen. It means we invite in. So the first thing that we have to do, that first suggestion, if we're going to pursue this, if we're going to be with Jesus, is to be present. And the second is that we have to be intentional. So here's the thing. Every day we are bombarded by all sorts of activities and marketing messages, and we're, we're bombarded with all the responsibilities and the distractions that can pull us away. But Jesus never leaves us. But we can drift away. That's why as, as apprentices, as followers of Jesus, we need to be intentional about cultivating practices that help us. And we'll go back to that chart from that first week of moving towards Jesus, of always taking steps. What's that center point? Not what's the line that we have to cross. What's that center point where we can keep coming back to Jesus? What are those practices every day, such as prayer, such as reading scripture, such as journaling, such as being quiet, such as coming together in places like this, at times like this, online or in person to worship? All of these practices are not an end of themselves. They are practices that bring us closer. They are intentional to engaging us to move closer to Jesus. See, my guess is most of us struggle to find time for some of these practices. We can be in this room right now and we say, you know what, I should pray more. You know what, I should read scripture. I should journal. I should find time to be quiet and allow God in. I should do those things. But we don't find the time. So how do we do a find and replace? How do we find time where we say, I'm going to allow there to be some time. I'm going to make some time. How am I going to be intentional? As followers of Jesus, we need to figure out the core spiritual practices that help us stay connected to Jesus. Maybe it's serving. Maybe it's reading scripture. Maybe it's praying. Maybe it's fasting. Maybe it's giving something up. Maybe it's, it, it's connecting with other people with intention. Maybe it's Sunday mornings. Maybe it's something. What are those things that, for you, connect you to Jesus? Because who we are connected to matters. If we long for that eternal kind of life filled with love, purpose, and meaning, we have to be intentional about the practices. Going back to that first Dallas Willer quote, this idea that we have to be with the person we're following. Dallas Willer, who was, who's had a huge impact on me and so many others and i keep quoting him he passed away a, a few years ago and he knew it was coming in late summer of 2012 he had been diagnosed already with pancreatic cancer and he was dying from that devastating disease and it was kind of this thing where all the all the people were coming and they wanted to do one more interview with him and they wanted him to write one more article or one more book and there was people coming to pay their respects but there was a friend of his who went and didn't share this for years after. It didn't come out until a couple years ago. He said he had a conversation with Dallas Willard and right before he died. And they were reflecting, they were talking about being close, being with Jesus, following Jesus. And he said to this friend, Willard said, when I die, I wonder if it will take me a while to notice. When I die, I wonder if it'll take me a while to notice. Willard had this, he was following Jesus in a way that in his conception, in his ideas, this was going to be no different than heaven itself. 
He was experiencing that heaven in the now moment because this is what it means to live a life with Jesus. There's this eternal kind of life that Jesus is offering. And it's not just available once you die. It's available in the here and the now. So if you've said yes to Jesus and you're trying to take steps towards following Jesus, you have to fight to be present. You have to fight to be intentional. Not to get to God to love you more, but to step into what God has for us, that incredible opportunity. We're going to take communion here in a moment. I'm going to invite the band to come up and help us lead us through this. But communion is one of those spiritual practices.